0: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and we're glad you're back for another episode. I have um, an interesting guest joining me today. We're taking a little bit different approach to the podcast where we're typically talking about customer experience and experience management and employee experiences. And I was approached recently to have uh, today's guest on the podcast, who's a very successful entrepreneur. And I thought to myself, hmm, we're more about experience than we are entrepreneurship. And then I kind of stopped myself in my tracks and said, but without the experience, there isn't going to be any entrepreneurship. So with that, I'm really happy to have Brian Clayton joining me today, who is the founder and CEO of GreenPal. Brian, welcome. Uh, please introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Bob. It's great to be here. So yeah, my name is Brian Clayton. I'm CEO and co-founder of a company called GreenPal, And GreenPal is a mobile app. It's a marketplace that works like DoorDash or Instacart or Uber but for lawn care services. So if you're a homeowner and or you rent a home and you need to get somebody to mow the yard for you, rather than calling around all over the place, you can just download GreenPal. You pop your address in and somebody comes and takes care of it for you.
0: In fact, Brian, I think it, your company was was tagged uh, the Uber of lawn care. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, we, we picked that up. Uh, Pretty early on, about 2013, 2014, I think it was Entrepreneur Magazine called as the Uber of lawn care, and that kind of stuck, Uh, and so we'll just go with it.
0: (laughs) All right, that sounds good. So Brian, uh, as I do with all of my guests, I I love to hear the career path that uh, got you to where you are today, and we always find some interesting uh, nuggets in that career path. So if you could take us on your journey of um, your career.
1: Yeah totally so so GreenPal is a 10 year overnight success my two co-founders <laughs> and I have been at this for a little over a decade first few years were really hard figuring out how do you balance the 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 needs of suppliers and and consumers in a marketplace like this and it took us about 3 or 4 years and then once we figured it out we started we started scaling and now we're in every city in the country and around 300,000 people using the app to get lawn mowing services and, uh, it's still growing. And, and, and so, uh, and so we want to get to a million people using it. We feel like we can get there in the next three or four years. And so that's the, that's the experience with GreenPow. But before Green Pow I had a landscaping company that I ran. I ran, a, I started mowing yards in high school as a way to make extra money and stuck with that lawn mowing business all through high school, all through college. And then when I graduated college, I made a little business plan and, uh, just started growing that, that little landscaping business, eventually getting it to over 150 employees, around 10 million dollars a year in sales, and then in 2013 was able to get the business acquired by a, a big national company that that runs a lot of these small landscaping companies. So, so 22 years I've spent in the landscaping business in some shape or form. Started off in the blue collar side, and now I'm
0: in the in the tech side. So what was the initial appeal when you were growing up? Did you have uh, a family in the business? Uh, What appealed you to the landscape business? It's a
1: great question. So I'd like to tell you that I was like a natural born consummate entrepreneur. But the reality is I was forced into the business. My dad got tired of me uh, playing Nintendo all day. And he said, get off your butt. Uh, I actually talked to the neighbor and he needs somebody to mow his yard. And and I've negotiated it for you and you're going to go cut the neighbor's grass and my dad was a a military guy so this was not a this was not a democratic household this was a direct order and he made me go mow the neighbor's yard and luckily he did because something stuck with me uh after that I, i i made 20 bucks for like an hour of work and i thought man this is awesome i should just keep doing this and and i made a bunch of flyers passed them all over the neighborhood and and never looked back just kept growing that business by the time i Graduated high school. I think I had two employees, and then through college, I just kept growing it. I would go to school. I would go to school at night and and mow lawns during the day. And by the time I finished business school, I had five employees, and then I just stuck with that. Just just this through duplication, growing it little by little, year over year. And and uh, to to your point and to your podcast point, never lost sight of the customer. Always tried to figure out what my customers wanted. Figure out what they needed that my competition wasn't delivering and figuring out how to just be obsessed with serving them better just out working and out hustling my competitors is how i was able to get that business to eight figures
0: and so brian let's let's uh dive into that a little bit and and i appreciate that insight because it's so important in experience management how did you go about doing that did you uh, Mm um you know interact with customers did you Buy from your competitors. I'm kind of thinking of all the things that some of CX professionals do to try to find out where the customers at, the voice of the customer, the voice of the competitor, and so forth. What are some insights you have on that, and what you did in that area? Yeah,
1: in in the first business, it's it's kind of like it almost is like a video game. You're working through one level at a time, and in the and as far as customer experience goes, the first couple levels of the game are just sheer hustle. Um, I I made a goal in the in the first couple of years to never never keep a customer waiting longer than an hour to call them back. And so if somebody called, left me a voicemail, needed an estimate, needed a, had a tree fall down or something like something like that, I always tried to call them back and and deal with them in less than an hour. And so that was one little metric. Even as a kid I knew that was important because my customers would always tell me that, you know, I, I leave voicemails for for lawn care services or gardening services, and and they never call me back, or they call me back three days later, and so that was one thing I knew that I could just out hustle my competition, and so that was one little thing that I would do. Um, but then as time went on, uh, you know, I realized that I really wasn't in the landscaping business; I was in the sales and customer service business. I was in the the business of how do we develop a sales process that connects customers with our value, and then how do we serve them better than our competition, and and so after I got the business over a million or 2 million in sales, I wanted it, I wanted to get it, I wanted to get it to 10 million and, and I had to figure out some kind of repeatable process to do that. And uh, I figured out that I needed to connect landscaping maintenance services to where our customers were trying to go with their business. And so one thing we did is we we started going after big contracts and landscaping Uh, where it would be a big apartment complexes. You know, these would be, thirty thousand, fifty thousand, sometimes hundred thousand dollar a year contracts. And I would ask them, uh we would change the conversation, not to, hey, can we mow your yard? We're the cheapest way you can get somebody to mow your yard. We would change the conversation to say, uh, well, what is your occupancy rate at this apartment complex? And they would ask, well, why? Why do you why do you ask that? And and we would say, well, because we're members of the Tennessee Apartment Complex Association and and uh, they tell us the occupancy rate is ninety three percent and they would say, "Well, ours is 88 percent," and we would say, "Well, we believe that with proactive landscaping care, that we can do some things to move you up a few points. We can make the grass greener, we can we can install some flowers around the display model, we can in, in, enhance the, the the curb appeal at the entrance to draw people in to to, to take a free tour, things of like that." So so changing the conversation from just grass cutting to where are they trying to go in business where are they trying to get to and, and how can we help them get there was one way we kind of started with the customer and worked backwards and 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 sold our services in a way that that our competitors weren't
0: brian this is this is fascinating there's a there's a couple of things i want to I want to talk further with you at first, or or, or share with you some observations. So, first of all, I love the fact you had a metric early on the process. You know, call everybody back within an hour. That is so important, and you hear that a lot, especially at the time when you were doing this, the smaller contractors, because they're so busy running their business, they don't always have time to, to uh, you know, manage the office, do the billing, answer the phone calls. So, I think the fact you have a metric, and then customer experience, we talk about metrics all the time, and in fact, probably overcomplicate the metric process with an experience management. And so you calling that out initially is just fantastic. And then the, the second comment I'd have for you is this your your comments about, you know, what business are you in, right? You're in the sales and customer service business. I think a lot of organizations forget what business they're in. And, and man, that insight that you had is really impactful to me and I'm sure our listeners about how you can kind of turn the tables on your viewpoint and perspective. Yeah, we
1: and, and we kind of had to because it's a low barrier to entry business. And so it's super competitive. And so you, anybody can go mow the yard. But but not everybody is thinking about where the customer is trying to go, why the customer gets out of bed every morning, why they show up at their office. And, and what is it you do that can help get them there and reframe the com- the conversation and really reframe the company to deliver on that, and not necessarily the commodity of of what you might be selling, and mm-hmm. and uh, to your point, these things don't have to be super complicated. Like in the early days, it was one metric, call people back in sixty minutes, and and now with today running GreenPal, we still try to keep it super simple with with what we're measuring and how we kind of close the gap between. Uh, founder logic and customer logic. There's this weird gap that forms between like company logic and customer logic. And it's almost like the company and the founders and the management team are looking at what the company does and the problems it solves from one angle or one paradigm. And the customers are looking at it from another angle or another paradigm and or another perspective. And it's almost like they're not even talking the same language. And so how do you close that gap? I, I find like the simpler, the better and to be relentless about it
0: uh I mean it it's just so true, Brian, in what you're saying um you know, keeping it simple, being relentless, the two different logics I often refer to um uh you know company language that people use and you, right. and as a consumer, you sit there and you go I don't know what you're talking about right right <laughs> you're talking your language, not my language,
1: totally and- <clears throat> I've been guilty of that.
0: Yeah, right. Well, I think we all have been for sure. Um, You you know, I want to come back to something you said early on in our discussion, Brian, and you said kind of tongue in cheek that uh, you're, I'll paraphrase, but basically you're saying, you know, it's a it's a 10 year overnight success in terms of Green Pal. And what is it, Brian, that kept you coming back day in and day out to grow this business?
1: it's a great question so first 15 years of my entrepreneurial journey was building and selling a landscaping company and after that i i really thought that i was just going to kind of live the good life i really thought that i i was 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 going to hang it up um because it was it man it was really hard growing and selling that company and it almost killed me and so i i thought well i don't want to do anything that hard ever again and i and i did that and i took about 6 months and you know did some investing and and i and I began to feel really discontent th- because I was no longer part of a mission I was no longer part of a project I no longer had a team to lead to what we what it was we were trying to do I no longer had customers as much as sometimes we get annoyed with customers they really are the reason why we get out of bed in the morning if if we're running a business and so now that no that I didn't have customers it was like Man, it was it was almost it was almost like I was a ship without a rudder. And and I thought, "Man, this is weird. I never thought I'd say this again, but uh, I think I want to start another company." And and so I thought, "Well, I don't want to I don't want to start another contracting company because that was really hard. Uh maybe I could start a tech company. Maybe I could do that." And it was it was naivete as an asset. I didn't really know how hard that was going to be, but I recruited two co-founders, and we start. And I had this idea for a marketplace should should exist for for landscaping services. I was fairly certain somebody was going to build it, and I just believed that that could be me and my team. And so, recruited two co-founders, and we worked on this idea for you should you know there should be an app, and you should be able to get quotes really easily, and hire somebody, and schedule them, and pay them. And so, so we started working on that. And I made a decision, uh, I guess about three months, three months in when I realized that it was going to be a lot harder than I thought it was going to be that, well, you know, you already tried to, you already tried to give it up once. And you already tried to quit once. So from now, no matter what, from now on this day forward, you're just going to work on your best idea and you're going to do what it is you want to do. And so long as you do those two things, everything else should work out. And I guess... Fortunately, I'm not terribly creative because I've had one good idea in a decade, and this has been it. And so I just kept working on it. And while there there have been some hundred hour weeks trying to get this company going, and and now now piloting it, you know, at, at the scale it is now, I really have just been doing what it is I want to do. I almost like I haven't I haven't worked a day in ten years. So I'm terribly fortunate to have been able to build a, a business, kind of hit a single or a double, I guess you could say and and get on base and then now kind of swing for the fences with this one
0: Mm -hmm. Brian this is so insightful because a little bit of background in terms of the customer experience profession a lot of our my colleagues in this profession find themselves you know hitting their heads against the wall because they can't make progress they can't improve the experience the organization has multiple priorities The the executive team isn't involved and not supportive. I mean, there's a whole host of issues. And there's two schools of thought. One is, if you don't have top-down engagement and and support, you can't be successful. And another school of thought says, you know, create a skunk works. Do what you can within your own department or organization. Recruit some of your colleagues and try to make small steps that improve the experience that can demonstrate to the organization that this is an important thing. And what I like about your insights is that that focus, that rel- you said it earlier, relentless, but that intense focus on on staying on task, so to speak, and not losing sight of what the goal is. I think that's so impactful to CX professionals.
1: Well, <clears throat> this stuff sounds super simple, but it's actually. Kind of hard and annoying to put it into practice. You got a million things going on every day. You're just trying to keep the thing running, and it's like, I, you know, I I know what the customer wants. I know what the customer wants. Like we don't need to worry about that. We're just trying to execute. And, and what I have found is a lot of times when in 22 years of business, anytime I've ever been stuck not knowing what to do or the metrics are sideways or what have you. If, if I picked up the phone and, and called five or 10 or 20 customers, I'd always get some key insight. I would always get some kind of nugget that would help us unstick the business. And I actually now artificially put this in my workflow. It is some of the highest leverage time I spend. So I spend an hour a day every day now still doing customer support of some kind even though we have a, a cs team and we have thousands of people using the product at any given time i still jump in there and at least one hour a day i will answer the phone respond to email tickets do the live chat and what that does is is it's it's an artificial thing that that i a forcing function that i put in my daily routine in my daily habit that closes that gap between how i'm viewing what the company's doing how i'm viewing our value proposition how i'm viewing our priorities versus how the customer is viewing it and it, it while while i'm never going to be perfect at it it helps close that gap that naturally forms and you would think man there's no way just doing an hour of customer support i'm telling you it's like it's it's, it's some of the highest leverage time i spend and then that does a couple things It it's free r&d it clarifies my thinking and then when I'm going to the team and say and we're, we're talking about some feature we want to build or or a lot of times we're we're the arbiter of this marketplace. We're the judge and jury on how things should go and we have to make a policy change. And and uh, and and, and, is, and I can confidently talk to my team and say, no, I talked to 25 people last week personally that had this problem. And and I'm t- and I believe I feel fairly certain that we should do this because of this tacit experience I have interacting with our customers. I have basically cut through all the noise to the only thing that matters. And that is one little trick that I think every every executive, every CEO should do. And and you see big companies still do this. I think DoorDash uh, instituted a, a policy where everybody in the company has to deliver food on the, on the system. You, you know, if you're an engineer making a half million dollars a year, you still have to go in once in once a month for an hour and deliver food on the system. And so, you know, so nobody loses sight of what it is we're trying to do, what our mission is. So this stuff can be powerful. If, if you make it part of the routine and the daily habits of, of, of everybody and from the top down. Uh, that
0: That is so true. And, and, um, I have to tell you, there's an article that I use in some of my teaching, uh, a, an HBR article. Staple yourself to an order, and it was it was written in the 90s, and I still use. Oh, it Oh, I love that. It's a. Have you read the article? I, mean, I haven't.
1: I, ha- I haven't read it, but I love just the title. Has got is. Got yeah, me. Got I my mean, you, you, uh,
0: you've got to you've got to pick it up and read it because it's you're talking exactly what this article is talking about. Basically, it says, look get executive management involved, have them walk through an order uh, going through your system, see what you're putting your customers through. And I know you don't necessarily take orders for products as much as you do orders for service, but that's just, it's the same concept. And I, I, I recall that I, I've worked in my career with very large organizations and you know, once and I ran the customer service operations, and once a quarter, maybe once every six months, we get the call, right? The CEO wants to listen to calls. And I, I kind of smile a little bit because I think, why is this such a big deal? You know, we're three floors away from the CEO, we've got 500 agents on the floor. He can walk down with a cup of coffee and drop by and listen to any agent he wants any time of the day or night. So isn't that funny? Right. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, so, I just really applaud that effort and the credibility you must build with your employees in doing that when they see the CEO and the co-founder doing that must be phenomenal in terms of the employee experience.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important if you're going to do this to not do it from a disposition of, uh, trying to like some sort of leadership hack. Oh, I'm leading from the front. I'm getting in the trenches with my people (laughs) and I'm, and I'm, and I'm experiencing the pain with my people and therefore I'm a great leader. No, I think you want to do it from a, from a place of paranoia, from a place of fear. It's like, I am, I am deeply concerned and deeply scared that I am going to lose sight of what our customers want. And that haunts me, keeps me awake at night. Uh, because they are the they are ultimately the the judge of of whether this platform is going to succeed and hit our goals or not. So so it's that paranoia and fear that causes me to take action to jump in there at least an hour a day. Sometimes two, to uh, to to do this stuff to close that gap. And I think I think some of you, the greatest smartest CEOs, still do this. Uh, you know, like uh, there's there's a there's a Sam, I think it's a Sam Walton quote. You know, he says walk walk your store. You know, you. Have to still walk the store, even if you were Sam Walton, to to experience what the customer is and to 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 help understand how they're experiencing what you do. And, and Jeff Bezos famously, uh, you know, would would still do this. Uh, there there was a book about about the founding of Amazon, and and they would talk about how that the, the management team would get these weird emails from Jeff at like every Sunday morning at at six a.m. They would get weird emails about quirky things on the on the site or on the system that that he saw that he he experienced himself or, or or God forbid typos or or something like that and and what was happening was was every Sunday morning was Jeff's time to walk the store so to speak he would buy stuff on Amazon he would interact with the system he would interact with customer service he would act as a customer and and so it doesn't matter what level of the game you get to you still got to do this stuff because it's just a fundamental principle you can't ignore
0: that that is outstanding advice i i couldn't agree with you more and and um i know that you know when i interact with websites and so forth and there's issues i always wonder to myself why why is the customer discovering this why aren't you discovering these issues or right. or, or you wouldn't be putting us through this Now, Brian, one question, by the way, listeners, we're we're talking to Brian Clayton, CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. And and I might add, uh, listeners, uh, what Brian's talking about is real and not hypothetical. And if you go to his website, um, you'll see that they have over 700,000 reviews rated at a 4.8 out of 5. And and just for our listeners, just think about that, over 700,000 reviews and he's nearly at five out of five, which is just phenomenal. So it it's working. What uh, Brian and his team are doing. So Brian, one one question for you: You have end customers, but do you also have contractors and and people that do this work for you across the country?
1: We really do have two customers, and that's what makes a marketplace like this challenging. If you think about it, Airbnb has two customers. They have the people who are renting out their house and the people who are renting the house. Uber has two customers, drivers and and riders. And, And so these marketplaces that connect buyers and sellers really do have two customers. And that's what makes them durable, but it also makes them really challenging to build. And for us, we have a value proposition for consumers. You know, if, 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 if your grass is three feet tall, you can get it mowed without a phone call, but for vendors, for pros, for, for guys and gals that make their living in this industry, we have a value proposition for them as well. And we're always tuning uh, the, the value on, on either side of the transaction or else the whole thing doesn't work. So, so we really have to create an operating system for pros to run their business, to to get everything organized in one place, to get paid quickly, to get new business, to 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 basically plug in and op and offer their services with without the headache that goes along with running a lawn mowing business, and and really materially enhance their livelihood, or else it doesn't work, or else there is no there is no product to order off the shelf, so to speak, if they don't love to use the platform. So. So, as we really kind of over index on on the pro side, we have to make them super happy. We have to make them where they love to use the platform they're they're enthusiastic about offering their services on the platform, so they show up and do a good job for consumers that that hire them through the services and and if they don't then we have to figure out a mechanism to demote or expel them from the platform because then we don't have a value proposition for the consumer. So it kind of ping pongs back and forth, makes it challenging, but, but I kind of have ADHD. So, so it, uh, it, there's never a dull moment running this business. There's always something uh, new and interesting to focus
0: on. Well, and of course, you know, your brand is their brand and their brand is your brand, right? Exactly. If they don't do, do the job, it reflects poorly on you. So.
1: Exactly, and that is the customer experience, right? It's 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 uh is it, mm-hmm. if 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 a if a professional is on the platform, isn't showing up on the day they're supposed to, or isn't doing a thorough job, you know, blowing off the grass clippings off the back patio. It could be a million things. That is Green Pal's brand, and so we have to over. Oh, it's taken us a decade to do it, but we have to build in the mechanisms to to prevent those things from happening, and to in almost instruct and coach service providers on what it means to run a great lawn mowing business and how to be successful in this industry. And then kind of tee them up for consumers to hire them.
0: Excellent. Um, Ryan, man, our time goes so fast when we're having great conversations like this early on, you said one of your goals is to grow uh, to a million customers. Um, what other thoughts do you have for what the future holds for green pal?
1: Yeah, that's that it's, it's like a, uh, that's our 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 hairy audacious goal is to get to a million customers. We want to be in the same conversation as a as a Doordash and Instacart and Uber and Airbnb. We feel like we're going there, and and it's like you make these big goals, and then they almost don't matter. It's like you make a you make a goal, you set it on the shelf, and then you, what I find is you need to focus all of your time on the systems processes, routines, the daily habits, really like you as the founder, what are your, what are your daily habits? What are your daily routines? Like for me, like I mentioned earlier, an hour a day of customer service, that's just a daily habit that I do. And if I do that every day for a year, there's a noticeable impact. And so, and so that's where I like to spend a lot of my time is what are, what are the inputs that we're putting into this thing on a daily basis, weekly and monthly basis that are helping us get to that big goal, and uh, one thing that we think is going to get us there is, is we're, we're developing a, a a feature called Instant Book, where you can a consumer can just come onto the platform and instantly book a pro without having to wait on pricing. You know, back in the day, Airbnb was kind of kind of like this, where you would go on there, you would submit a a request to book somebody's spare bedroom, and then they would get back to you five hours later, and it really wasn't a delightful experience. But now they have this instant book feature. It's taken them a long time to build it, but we can instantly book the spare bedroom and it works. And so that's, that's what we're working on now is is figuring out all the mechanics around making that work like magic.
0: That's another great feature to add and to build on it for, for definitely and, and great responsiveness to your customer base. Brian, as we wrap up this podcast, and by the way, listeners, um, you can check out um, GreenPAL's website at yourgreenpal.com. And Brian, I'm sure you would welcome people to follow you on LinkedIn um, if they wanted to learn more about you and and your successes. And finally, uh, Brian, I always ask the same question as we conclude our, our session together is words of wisdom for our listeners from... This discussion and your background.
1: One thing I always have to remind myself, and this really applies to everything, and it's just kind of top of mind right now because I listened to uh uh I think it's a it's a it's a Jim Jim Rohn quote and he says, Don't get mad about the results you didn't get for the work you didn't do. And this this applies to customer experience and CX and happy customers. It's like why, why, why are our customers barbecuing us on Yelp? Why are our customers using it one time and not coming back? Why are our customers insatiable and complaining all the time and, and not and, and, and not uh, giving us the benefit of the doubt and it's like don't get mad about the results you didn't get for the work you didn't do did you did you call ten customers last week and talk to them and and ask them? what they wish you would do differently. Did you take that back to the product team and, and develop a feature to solve that problem? Um, Did you, did you maybe create uh, a better experience around uh, wait times on, on, on chat support or something like that? Or, or did you, you know, did you create some content that would help them solve a problem themselves rather than having to call you on the phone? It's like, don't get mad that, that you don't have happy customers if you didn't put in the work. And and this is something I have to tell myself all the time, whether it pl- whether it applies to what we're trying to do at Pow or anything else in my life. And and so I like to always tell myself that, and also share that.
0: That th- those are fantastic words of wisdom, uh, Brian. Thank you so much for those words, and, and thank you for your time today. It, it's. Um, with your focus on the customer, it's no wonder you have been and will continue to be successful in, in growing GreenPAL and whatever your future endeavors are. So we really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you, Bob. I enjoyed it. Great conversation. Indeed. And listeners, this has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your network and stay tuned for more episodes of this podcast, as well as those from my colleagues at the CXFM Radio Network. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered, CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CXFM Radio.